0: Welcome to the Vegan Beauty Power Lifestyle Podcast. This is the podcast for women wanting to live a healthy vegan lifestyle their way that they love. The Vegan Beauty Power Lifestyle is simple and life-changing healthy vegan living for women. I'm your host, Jessica. If you want to be a part of this community, lifestyle, and movement of vegan women living everywhere in their beauty and their power, this is for you. I'm simplifying it all for you and showing you how. Yay, goddess, live this beautiful lifestyle with me. Hey, Triya. Hey. I'm so glad you're able to do this
1: yes likewise thank you so much
0: thanks for doing this and i'm so glad i met you um, on clubhouse just recently every room i've been in with you i have learned something from you and you always bring value and have such helpful resources for people so thank you that has been fun
1: (laughs) i'm glad to hear yeah
0: so you know, I want to talk to you about the importance of following your intuition and staying true to yourself since Absolutely. you have experience with that and other things. So you can give an introduction, who you are, where you're from, where you live, what you
1: do and what you love. Yes. Um, first off, thank you so much for this opportunity. I I've really enjoyed being in rooms with you as well. You have so many brilliant ideas of what you want to do um, in the space of veganism, in the space of um, empowering women, it, you know, creating community. and yeah, it's it's always great to see the rooms that you put together and the conversations are so, Nuanced. And I know we've talked about this before that a lot of um, s- vegan spaces tend to focus on food quite a bit, which is important, I understand. But I personally am very drawn into these more, um, you know, niche and uh, tricky conversations that don't have a straightforward solution and how we can all come together and brainstorm. So I appreciate you um, always offering such platforms for people to share their ideas and their knowledge. So yeah, um, on that note, um, I'm Shria, and I am a vegan animal rights activist, and I am very proud to call myself that. Um, I am, it's, so if I have to say where I'm from, it's kind of all over the place. I was born in um, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, and then I moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then I moved to Cupertino in California, then I moved to India for a bit, and then... My family. We moved back to California. Uh, my parents moved to the Bay Area, and I moved to San Diego for college. Uh, I was born into a South Asian household, raised vegetarian, and I'm sure um, some of your listeners might know that uh, you know vegetarianism is a norm in some Indian cultures. So I grew up in um, within that vegetarianism being a norm sort of environment, but it wasn't, um, the vegetarianism wasn't necessarily rooted in animal rights or social justice. It was, um, that's a whole different conversation for a whole different podcast, but, uh, yeah, so I grew up, hadn't eaten meat before, but I did eat, I did consume dairy and eggs, animal dairy and, uh, eggs. Um, yeah, so, that but I think somewhere through that like I, I'd always you know loved animals I wanted a dog I would try to I would always you know strike bargains with my parents like okay if I do this then I have to get a dog and I just really really wanted to be around animals and when I was at home like I would go outside and Like fine if I can't have a dog then this is my pet roly-poly and I I would just you know I'd come back with ladybugs or roly-polies and like this is my pet and of course I didn't know better because you know taking them out of their natural habitat they didn't they didn't survive and I would always be upset and so yeah I think somewhere for me there was something all there was something more to it than just you know oh we don't eat them but it's like, but I really, I want to be around them. I really want to care for them. And, uh, yeah, I think that has, that seed was planted very early on and I, it's, it's, it stuck around it. I, it got buried through the, you know, through the, through growing up and, uh, society's expectations and what we as women are expected to do within our culture, within our communities. I think that, um, those seeds, they tend to get a little um, undernourished, and uh, they, and I think it, it takes some some perspective, some pausing, and a lot of support from you know people who have broken out of the status quo and followed their passions to really, uh, really you know to to resonate back to your inner wisdom, so to speak. So. Yeah, that's uh, just a little side tangent there, but I uh, yeah, grew up vegetarian. I went vegan in undergrad and this was I will say it was a mix of both animal rights and um, my issues with body image and disordered eating that I'd experienced at the time and you know the I I felt very overly conscious about my body growing up, you know, making comments about one another's bodies was very normal. It was, you know, it it was, it's, it, I felt, if I, if I felt offended by it, I was either being too sensitive or, you know, or it's, or it's, I, I'm not being respectful of someone else's concern. And so I think I'd always suppressed that, um, a really confronting how I felt with my body. And that combined with, you know, being uh, a freshman in college and everyone talking about the freshman 15 and, you know, people working out. And I I, I felt very triggered. Um, but at the same time, I was also very much connected to the message of animal rights. I felt like I was doing enough as a vegetarian, but... You know, I the, the vegan ethic was something that I also really connected with, but you know, that dissonance, that dissonance did was always present. You know, like, okay, I'll just get the cage-free eggs or um, the humanely raised cow's milk, whatever that actually means. Um, and I think for me, it really took having a, a companion animal who was actually a foster kitten who is, um, she's still very much uh, with us. So we are <laughs> epitomies of foster fails. Uh, she's a very pampered cat. Her name is Ginger. And I think she was, uh, her presence has always been a stark reminder of uh, my calling in animal rights. And so just when I would see these videos or when I would see people talking about how dairy cows are treated, how lair hens are treated, I would immediately imagine Ginger in that situation and I just couldn't. I, I would see how, you know, this little kitten, she was rescued from a dumpster in uh, during one of my summers in India and we had fostered her while in India and we all just fell in love with her, connected with her so much that she was family, we were not leaving her behind and we brought her back with us and she's as sassy and pampered and reigning royalty of the family as ever. And I just, just seeing her and seeing what that transformation could look like was just, I knew that there was something more. I knew that I was, I kept on making reasons to not make the, to not make that transition. And um, so it was sort of a mix of both where I felt like, Okay, if I go vegan that way, you know, I I thought okay, then maybe I will stop see I I would I I would stop being so triggered by food. I that's that, that was something that I felt, I felt that veganism might help in some way, whether it was oh, it's going to quote unquote restrict my options or not. I'm not entirely sure what that thought process was, but it was a mix of that and it was a mix of uh the animal rights, um, uh, angle. And I think if anything, it's, it has been one of the most liberating experiences when it comes to my relationship with food, because, uh, I, I love exploring cuisines. I started learning more about vegan products and new brands and new companies and new businesses. And I, it was so, so great. And I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm very grateful for that experience. I will say that I, every now and then the body image aspect does feel, I can, you know, I'm not 100% over it, but uh, I'm definitely at a much, much, much better place than I was before. And food is no longer an enemy, so to speak. It's not something that stresses me out. It's something that brings me joy. It's something that I love to explore and educate people about, so. uh, yeah, what I love to do is just spread the joys of living a, living a life that, that really showcases that being considerate and respectful of other sentient beings is a, is a life worth living. So I know that was a very, very long answer to that question. No, it was good because I, I
0: asked all those things, so it, like, covered it all, so that was good. Oh, great. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of people are vegetarian before they go vegan. They don't just go vegan from, well, I, I never was vegetarian before, so, but I just did it, but um, I think that's really cool and a different perspective that they may have than other people because they mm-hmm. haven't eaten animals in a long time, even though they do eat some of the byproducts and they might... um uh participate in other aspects like they might go to a zoo or right or might-
1: a leather leather cow yeah
0: so yeah. they are like they're closer but in a way they're also disconnected just like mm-hmm. everyone else so right. yeah but we feel that we could talk to them better or easily more easily about it because you know they get they get it in a way
1: perhaps I, I i would say that it could go either way you know it's, yeah. if someone says that they are vegetarian for ethics i feel like it's a lot easier to reach in that sense but um i mean it could be it could be um um because i do know that there are arguments that are made for the case of backyard hens or um there i think there's a a a dairy facility in the UK or something it's called the Ahimsa farm and you know how it's probably the best treatment of dairy cows that I've personally read about amongst the others that I'm aware of um, in you know for profit's sake but it's still the idea of viewing animals other than human animals as commodities to take from rather than here for their own purpose so yeah it's a it's yep it could go either way with the uh, it is sometimes you could have a, a someone who really loves their um, animal meat and animal products and they just make a connection and they can switch and or you could interact with a vegetarian who's been veget an ethical vegetarian for years and years and years but they don't make that connection like they could Ha- like that's something pretty similar to the case with my family as well. Like we didn't buy leather, um, no silk. Like in in um, Indian tradition, uh, uh, there's a piece of clothing called saris, and it's um, and silk is uh, is a common used material. And my mom stopped buying silk, and when she would gift other people sari, she would get um, cotton or other materials. So we were very aware of not using animal products in that sense, like, you know, no leather, no silk and no fur, no, you know, we would have not buy down stuffed products, but, uh, the milk and, um, my, my parents didn't consume eggs. I did. Um, but yeah, no, now we're, now we're all vegan except the cat. Uh, everyone else is, uh, vegan and, uh, yeah. So it's a, it is a journey. I know. Um, I,
0: it. I think India would be amazing to go to. I've never been there, but I think that's one of the places I would want to go to
1: yeah yeah it's uh it's it's quite a it's a it's it's a very stimulating place to your senses i will say that (laughs) lots of color lots of smells lots of sounds and it's true that that's what it takes
0: for some people is making that connection or really that's what it takes for everyone and it's going to be different for everyone i think there's was an actress i don't remember who it was she said that she was holding a chicken and she felt the chicken's heartbeat and, you know, realized this is yeah. a being just like me. And yeah. like people, people really have to make that connection because if somebody's vegetarian. It might be for religion and they're so disconnected and they're so ingrained with society and what they have learned. And, yeah. then, and then there's the marketing about, oh, these cows are happy, but they're really exactly. not. Yeah. So it goes, yeah. There's a lot of things to it. But once somebody makes that connection and it will just get easier for them or they won't. And they they will realize that it's actually abundance. There's nothing restricting about it. So
1: absolutely. I always, you know, when there are, you know, and even at restaurants like, uh, oh, you know, dietary restrictions. Yeah, we accommodate. Or if I say, oh, yeah, do you have vegan options? And they say, oh, yeah, we accommodate that. We accommodate dietary restrictions. I was like, it's not restrictive. And they just, you know kind of look at me. And sometimes it depends if I'm with like my sisters and she's like, Shreya, can you not do this activism stuff here now? Mm-hmm. And, uh but I, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna start, I gotta start, start being vocal about this stuff. So I'm like, it's not a restrict, I love it. I loved that you brought that up. It is not restrictive. It is abundance. You learn about all of the plants like more more than just potatoes and peas and beans you learn so much more about plants you learn about all of the creative ways mushrooms can evolve into all sorts of delicious items and uh you learn about you know beauty products you learn about new companies what what they're doing so it really expands that you become so involved in um understanding the market and understanding politics and understand like you want to know all of the things and i think that could also be a part of vegans being drawn into a lot of arguments where we're just expected to be experts on everything under the sun so it's like okay i gotta have all my facts ready
0: so And I mean, and there's a misconception also that all vegans absolutely love animals and they want them in their lives and they want to be involved. And like, that's really, that doesn't have to be the case because I don't really consider myself an animal lover. I just want to leave them alone and I want them to leave me alone. You know, like, just don't.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: It's not Uh, about that. It's about not using them and letting them just live. Like, I have a dog that's so super easy. Yeah. So good. And I found homes for the other dogs because they were too much for me and I wasn't the right person for them. And that's OK. A
1: thousand percent. That's- oh, my gosh. I- I'm so happy you said that, because that is something that I also do beat myself up for. If like I find my companion pooch, Hallie, she's she's so sweet. But there are days where I'm like, you are a pain in the butt. I just can't. And when I have that thought, I'm like, but I'm supposed to be here speaking for animals. I'm so supposed to be fighting for animals. So then I'm like, well, Just because, you know, I don't like all people, let's be real. That doesn't mean like, you know, I would want to wish harm on them. So Mm -hmm. same goes to other animals. Like I don't love all, I don't have to love all animals, but I can respect, right? Just respect, let them live their lives and you can live your life and just don't bother each other. It's very simple. Yeah, that's what I
0: really want to tell people because I think you have to love them so much. Exactly. And be involved and you really don't have to be, you can be, but it's like, you know, it's all about giving them their respect, giving them their respect because they share the this space with us, giving them their privacy, you know what I'm saying? Not disturbing them, not using them and all that. And like for domestic animals, yeah, we have a responsibility to them because we, we have to like take, they depend on us. So we're like their guardians. Yeah, we've sort of created
1: that. It's yeah. not, not a problem, but the domestic like humankind has done the domestication so it's sort of our responsibility to fix that overpopulation or to fix or to come up with solutions to how we can best integrate into uh, a mutually beneficial society where it's not just us taking from them but just letting them live and we're living they're living and just we're all just living our lives with it's it's literally lit and let live you know and
0: it's just, this is the craziest thing. And it sounds really weird, but when I was a kid, I loved dogs like so much. I wanted like all the dogs and I was not vegan. But now that I'm vegan, I don't love dogs and I want to leave them alone and they want them to leave me alone. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with the dogs. They're a lot of work. They are so much work. So it's like, I,
1: oh my God. I resonate
0: with that so much. The one, the dog that I have, he's like the easiest dog in the world. He's really amazing. So great. Not even trained, just incredible. So easy. Yeah, deal with. But if he was like the other ones, I, w- I would not keep them. Like that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. having those other two dogs that I had that I found homes for, and they're a much better place now. And yeah. with, people, with people that are right for them, mm-hmm. uh, they made me not want to ever have dogs again. Like, mm-hmm. like no. And yeah, I just no, I,
1: Like I totally, totally get that because I just, uh, I, I, because sometimes I go back and I think about, wow, Shreya, you like you would you love dogs so much. You Just like, you know, if you could, you would just have all the puppies at home. But then now I'm like, uh-uh, I don't, I just, I can't. I don't, I know I'm not that patient. And I know yeah. my personality is very, you know, I, mm-hmm. I like it when those around me are also independent and don't rely on me too much. I'm like, please don't be so needy. And it is just yes. people. So, so yeah. So I'm like, okay, okay. And that's okay. You can just, that does not mean that I would want to harm another being that do, like, I don't like lizards, but that doesn't mean I would want to harm a lizard. I don't, I'm not, I'm not in love with the ants that are in my house, but yeah. I don't want, I don't want to, you know, go about killing them. So what, like, I just like sprinkle some cinnamon and now they don't to block out, so that they don't come in and, you know, now they just, they've guided their way out and we're good. So it's just, Pretty much, yeah, you know, you learned how to coexist with all the critters and creatures.
0: Yeah, and you just, you know, you think about what's in their best interest, what's right for them, and what's right for you. Because a yeah. dog might not be right for you, or a rabbit might not. I'm just, I feel really, really lucky and grateful that the dog I have is the right dog for me. Because yeah. most dogs aren't, to be honest. That Most dogs are yeah. very needy, um, <laughs> yeah. and very yeah. much a lot of work. But this one is not. so. And I had another one that was really... The best too and but she was old yeah. so I think she died but I don't really know what happened but I figured that's what happened because she yeah. I left her outside and she didn't come back so I figured Aww. okay well but but yeah it was a while ago and those are the only two dogs the two the one I have now and that one that yeah. are for me the rest of them though so I just assume that most dogs are not for me
1: like I mean yeah and- I know there, there was like mm-hmm. the first couple of so and I adopted Hallie I After the honeymoon phase, I was like, okay, if I ever do decide to adopt a dog again, I would go for a retired service dog or a retired army dog. Yeah. That was like the oh older ones.
0: Gosh. The older ones. They may have to go to the vet more often, but man, they get it. They, they know when to leave you alone. They know that they want, they also want their space probably. Yeah. They're not annoying. Like most dogs <laughs> are annoying. Just, they just are that's just how they are. But I mean, and then there's cats and then there's all this other things. So if anybody ever adopts, they need to really think about this. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I, I, it's just so frustrating, you know, when folks are like, they, they are very, you know, enamored by the idea of having a companion animal and then they realize how much work and they bring them back to the shelter. And that just, it's just perpetuating this problem. And it's, it is frustrating. It's a lot of work and it's like, and i just I, and something that I also have learned and something that I do tell if you find another human being annoying, you are going to find another dog annoying. Whether or not you like dogs more than people, I guarantee you, you will find you. There's no way that you can just be a completely Zen with all living beings as much as, you know, that would be great.
0: Yeah. There's just, I mean, it's just like, you know, it is just like having a human kid. There's, I think kids are easier, to be honest. And mine's a, <laughs> mine's a teenager, so he's at the point where he could do his own thing. But yeah. I honestly think that kids are easier than dogs. But I don't think yeah. we cannot. We can't. Speak I don't English know. I can't them. relate. <laughs> I know, but we can't speak English to them. They can't speak English to us. So That makes it harder to me. For True. Me. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. But there's. it just depends, really. It's an individual thing. But, yeah, I just want to let people know that because, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. So Absolutely. <laughs> Um and people don't have to feel bad about it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. There's right, there's a right person for the dog. And and the rat and the rabbit and the cats and all the other animals that are domestic. It's okay. But I just wanted to ask you about your story and experience choosing veganism. You touched on that a little bit, but if you want to go into it a little bit more and say anything else about it, you can.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So, you know, I just like I thought about, you know, okay. I, I, I do this, I, I foster animals, I volunteer um, with this group. In India, I was volunteering with a, a non-government organization called the Chennai Adoption Drive. So I would volunteer as a foster parent and I would take these um, stray or abandoned uh, animals to ad- uh, adoption drives and, or you know help them find their forever happy homes. So, you know, I, I, I I, I feel at some level I b- built this reputation of being you know the the animal rights person or or the at least the 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 companion animal rights person um, in within the extended family and uh, but I was I, I, I don't I don't believe I was very aware of veganism when I was in India that summer but when I came, But When I moved back to the U.S., um, during one trip, like uh, during one trip, I had a really, really bad experience with food on a plane. So it was just it was just bad food and it just happened to be vegan. And so I was like and so somewhere in my mind, I always had that, okay, vegan food is gross. But without even acknowledging that a majority of the food that I was eating was already vegan by default, you know, so. Um, so it's a it's a it's a common trap that we can we tend to fall into because you know I it's a, this is an example that I uh, and others in the community mentioned you know that if hey have you had a bad beef burger before and someone will say yes but did that stop you from ever getting a beef burger again like no so why does that have to be the case with a vegan burger you had one bad vegan burger that doesn't mean all vegan burgers are going to be bad right so um I definitely fell into that trap early on but I just couldn't escape hearing about the treatment of other than human animals and I think every time someone I would hear an interview either a celebrity or a friend or someone would say oh yeah like I'm vegan and I'm vegan for the animals and a part of me would be like but I'm the animal rights like that's my thing you know i i have to live up to that and i think this is this is that this is what i need to do to get there and or to you know really personify that but of course i had like oh but what about the yogurt what about the ice cream what about the cheeses and you know food or a food item that i wouldn't eat that often anyway that i so many whatabouts and I started thinking way far ahead about all of the things that I had to I would have had to, you know, replace and all of that, but I think the, the 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 time frame when I was really struggling with body image and felt like okay, let me try, let me just try this vegan thing and see what happens because before that I was doing okay, I'll I'll go vegan once a week i'll go vegan twice a week and then i was and then you know that i i felt like for me that kind of wiggle room or a lot of open space for wiggle room never it, it, it wasn't i needed something more concrete than that so i was like all right i'm just gonna do it and uh yeah i haven't looked back since so it's been almost seven years i wish i could have a a veganversary, but I really have no idea what date this was. I just remember being in my, um, uh, my uh, college apartment in the living room, just feeling overwhelmed because we had some friends over and there was food out and I just felt very triggered and overwhelmed. And I just, it's like, I just wanna see this as f- just not, I wanna see these items on the table as something that isn't gonna freak me out, you know? Um, So yeah, I just decided to go uh, vegan then. And you know, I'd I'd, I'd already had products that were not tested on animals that were vegan and cruelty-free. So that aspect didn't require much um, effort on my end. But uh, then at that point I started researching um, restaurants that were near me. I'm thankful that I lived in San Diego at the time that I got to explore so many amazing vegan restaurants and I would, I became exposed to new cuisines. I'd never had, you know, the only cuisines that I had were, you know, Italian, Mexican and um, the Americanized Asian cuisines, but not, The I hadn't had Ethiopian food. I hadn't had, you know, like Turkish or Afghani food. I hadn't had, uh, I mean, I've had, I'd had some Mediterranean before, but, you know, going into more of like the the authentic Turkish food and those such delicious flavors and seeing how either already vegan or vegan by default or easily veganizable they were, I was just blown away and it got me really excited. So I found myself just, I felt so at ease when um, when I would go out and knowing that I could, I was going to try something new and I was going to explore a new cuisine and no sentient being had to unwillingly just just, you know, Have their lives taken away from them against their will for me to have those few moments of uh, sensory pleasure. So, yeah, I think that just uh, that was a huge part of um, of the the transition. And I, yeah, I can't. I, 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 like I said, I wish I had a set date, but um, for me, I think food was the the start. I also apologize. The dogs are. (laughs) <laughs> are just playing in the background, so you might hear some barks and yelps every now and then. Um, but yeah, so it started off with food, and then it started off with um, my wanting to share uh, vegan products and vegan um, company recommendations to restaurants that wouldn't, um, that didn't have, you know, some, that, that didn't have options outside of a side salad and fries. Um so yeah, so that's sort of how my uh, vegan outreach started. It started with food, which I always feel very—it's—it um, gives me a little bit of goosebumps. Where how my insecurity and my um, insecurity with my body and my uh, relationship with food would have been looked at if by embarking on veganism at that point, it's so easy to say, oh, that's the Disordered eating speaking, and only to come out the other side as far as my relationship with food is concerned, uh, in a much happier light, in a much, uh, in a space where I want to educate the community, educate local businesses, educate um, food related businesses about uh, the wonders of uh, delicious plant based food. So I hope that answers your question as far as my vegan journey.
0: Yeah, and I really, that's one of the best ones I've ever heard because you were already vegetarian, so you were close, but at the same time, it just kept coming back to you like you couldn't escape what you knew and you were aware of what the animals were going through and you didn't want to be a hypocrite. And it just made sense to you and it was just logical of you to just live vegan, so you just did it and you kept yourself accountable and you also healed, and improved your relationship with food through living living this lifestyle. So it's like all win-win all around. (laughs) That's just so so fun and exciting because that's really what it can be if you let it.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. You need to let it. And I I really appreciate you bringing that point of holding myself accountable and not wanting to be a hypocrite. I didn't feel like, like no one was questioning me. No one was telling me like, you call yourself you say you love dogs but you're you know but you're you're drinking cow's milk but again i wasn't surrounded by very many vegans at the time so i think i was able to make my own process but i feel like the worst um, situation to be in is when you're not being true to yourself and yeah. that 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 dissonance was so uncomfortable for me i would much rather I think if I was okay consuming products of the exploitation of another animal mm-hmm. um, and someone pointed that out, I, I, if I personally felt, you know, unperturbed by it, then I don't know that I would have made the change. But I think just me feeling so uncomfortable by my own dissonance was a huge factor as well.
0: Yeah, it's really, it makes it... Like, you cannot get away from that when it comes to yourself. You can't get away with it. Like, you can't get away from it. So if people are talking to you about whatever this and that, okay, whatever. But it would, but if it's yourself, like, you just can't escape that. You have to face it. And it's like, so it's, yeah, it's like a, a solution to, to live this way and mm-hmm. for things. But long ago, somebody told me that, somebody that I knew, they told me that I was a hypocrite because I couldn't see how someone could kill an animal like a hunter does but there I was eating an animal. And you know, that really hit me and I was like, huh. But I didn't go vegan then. I went vegan like after they told me that, but I realized that is, that, is, that, that is the truth. Yeah, it really is. But if it's yourself, it's like even more, it's like even deeper and something that you can't be you look That That was really great. Yeah. So about going with your intuition and staying true to yourself, mm-hmm. because you were used to say that you, you, left, um, you left the academic world and yes. transitioned your career into something else. So yes. going with your intuition and staying true to yourself since your career has changed and you left what did not feel good to you. How did you do that? Why did you do that? And what's your advice to people? That feel that way?
1: Uh, I so love that you asked me that because this is all a a very, it hasn't even been a year since my life really changed trajectory. So growing up in high school, I always loved, loved, loved biology. Um, I was always fascinated by um, just, just biology all like, you know, looking under the microscope and cutting things open and seeing how things work. And, uh, things like that. And I was also good at it. So at school, I also got that reputation of being, oh, the girl who was really good at biology and like biology Shrias thing. So I also let that get to my head a lot and um, maybe succumb to those people pleasing ways or it's like, I need to live by those standards that they have for me. Like that, that's, that's the expectation that they have um, for me to, for me is, you know, the the biology person. So, you know, I just I didn't even take us take a pause to to sit back and see what it, you know, what career wise, what I'd want to do I was like, all right, I'm going to get my undergrad, uh, or I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to focus on biology in high school. I want to be a pre vet because I knew I wanted to do something in the space of animals. Um, so I went, when I went to UC San Diego for undergrad, um, I majored in human biology, but I was on the pre-veterinarian track. Um, it's not a specifically stated track, but the course is designed to incorporate those who are on the pre-vet track. And I joined the pre-vet student association and I think pretty soon into it, I realized that that wasn't for me because of, I, I saw how, what the the mental and the emotional um, side of it was gonna look like. And knowing myself and my personality, I knew that I wasn't going to, I, I don't, I didn't want to have that career where um, I would have to confront a lot of that unpleasantness. And uh, also what I know now with how veterinary trainings typically are, it's, you know, geared towards, um, the rights or the welfare of companion animals, but still viewing um, farmed animals as property. So uh, I wasn't very. I I I just I couldn't. I um, con- I I just couldn't connect with that. I and so I was like, great. Now what do I do? I don't know. What else can I do with biology? And uh, then I I I'd started looking more into, you know, vegan friendly, uh, beauty products. And, you know, I would always see luscious products and, um, the body shops products I would always say, you know, not tested on animals. And it's like, okay, cool. Maybe I can look into going to grad school and getting a PhD do, um, so I can be in a lab and do some cool research while also maybe developing, um, reliable replacements to animal testing, either be it in the cosmetic side, which is becoming more and more the norm, and in the biomedical side, which is less the norm. So yeah, I just, without a pause, I, you know, placed through undergrad, I graduated early, I did, you know, I volunteered in a campus lab, I interned at a pharmaceutical company nearby, um, you know, La Jolla is a hub for biotech companies, so I got to volunteer there. I um, I worked at the uh, at uh, at an HIV uh, clinic on campus. I I graduated early, and then I worked at a biotech, a medium-sized biotech company, till I started grad school. I applied and I got in straight away, and I moved to St. Louis. I want to. Got into WashU Med School to do my PhD. Uh, uh, that's Washington University in St. Louis. Um, and yeah, and then I wanted to focus on stem cell biology and being able to work on what are called organoids. So they're basically 3D miniature organs that you can grow from human stem cells into an organ of your choice, so you can study the, the biology, the physiology, either the healthy state, the disease state, um, development. So I was very enamored by the idea of that. But I will say that throughout my experience through undergrad and working in um, volunteering in labs, I really didn't like being in there. Like I, I, I liked, you know, be, at least the, being in a lab for that those many hours. I just, I didn't like it. But I felt like I was supposed to like it. And I felt like if I didn't like it, I would have nothing else. I didn't know what else I was going to do. And so I just, I thought I could fake it till I make it. I just kept forcing myself to, I, and I, I I, couldn't, I just really couldn't like it. And I just, I never did. But I, uh, yeah, then I eventually, like I, I did. I got into grad school and I joined a lab. And I, then that um, the lab I joined my advisor. Uh, he left, and so I had to switch to another lab. And I just through the process, I was like, "What am I doing? I don't even." Lo- I'm surrounded by my peers who, who are excited about science they wanna talk about their research or they wanna talk about their lab or they're like, oh, I'm going to lab, it's like 9 p.m. at night and they're like, oh, I'm gonna go, I have some assays to run and I'm gonna be back and have to go again. And I was like, I don't want to ever be in that situation. I don't want that, I don't want that life for me. And I couldn't resonate with the passion that my peers had in wanting to be in this space. We had, um, there were, they, we would have uh, time to submit grants for, um, you know, either the National Science Foundation has a grant for grad students and everyone was so invested in writing, you know, the, the, the perfect proposal, the perfect essay. And I just, I really didn't care. I was like, I couldn't care less, even if I tried. Like, I just, I was so like, ah, whatever, if I don't get it, I don't get it. If I get it, I get it, it doesn't matter to me. And I, I I didn't sit with all of this till the pandemic hit till the pandemic hit. We were all forced indoors. I, the lab I was in, I was not listed as essential personnel and I was so relieved. I was like, Oh, thank goodness. I don't have to go in. I didn't want to go. And as you know, when, when talk about reopening would come up, I I would start getting really anxious. I would get really anxious during meetings. I was like, no, 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 I don't wanna go back. I don't wanna go back. Because at this time I was spending more time, you know, uh, writing for vegan magazines or um, doing my other animal rights related volunteer work and, and listening to so many podcasts and hearing the stories of inspirational animal rights activists who also followed their dreams and left Um, What society says is how one should build their career. And every time I would hear these podcast episodes, I felt like they were talking to me. I felt so seen and validated. And yeah, and I think uh, my advisor also definitely noticed that I was very unhappy being back. And we had a sit down and we chatted and um, I was like, all right, I am going to take a break. And we'll see because, there, as a student, I do have, I had the option to take one year off, um, uh, uh, one year's leave of absence. But you know, and I was like, okay, what can I do during that time? And uh, I was reaching out to folks in the animal rights space, you know, applying for internships because I didn't know if i could just get a job straight up without having any experience actually working in animal rights and um yeah i i had reached out to a podcast host of one of my favorite podcasts the chick peeps it's by um ivana lynch she plays luna lovegood and harry potter and one of her um the uh The co-host of the podcast, uh, the podcast, Tyler Starr, he runs an amazing animal rights, uh, a Harry Potter themed animal rights organization called the Protego Foundation. And he initially worked at PETA. And so I reached out to Tyler because I noticed that he would actually respond to my comments on their posts. So I was like, hey, maybe he can give me some insight. So I reached out to Tyler, and oh my gosh, he had so many wonderful things to say. It was like I loved working there, um, and I would definitely recommend. And it was a great space for me to uh, get started in animal rights. And now I've learned so much, and I, I have my own um, foundation. And uh, I like definitely I would uh, I would encourage you to apply. So it's like okay, I'll I'll see what happens, and I applied to a. It's like a, an, like a writer position. I, I just applied to something that I felt a lot more comfortable doing, a little more behind the scenes-ish. And um, fortunately, I think whoever got my application sent it to the uh, vice president of the lab investigations department. And he also happened to be an alumnus of Washington University. And he'd reached out to me and he's like hey small world like i went to wash you as well and uh so and so forwarded your um your application and i think you'd be a great fit for our team given your background in science so we would love to interview you i was like oh okay cool so yeah then i interviewed i got the position i accepted the job right away i told my advisor that okay i'm I'm going to be stepping away i'm doing this um i decided to master out of the program so that was an option i feel very grateful that uh um though i decided not to pr- continue with the phd i could still leave with a master's degree and yeah i am and i feel so so grateful and fortunate to still work at getting animals out of research labs but instead of doing that from um Within the lab, uh, I have a whole different perspective, and coming at it from a more policy angle, from a from um, going at those who are actually funding these experiments, or working with other scientists, working with other um, physicians, working with policymakers, legislators to to uh, push for language that will hopefully steer us towards a future where. Um, these sentient beings don't have to be horrifically treated in the name of advancing um, medical science and research. So yeah, I think it all sort of came full circle where I could uh, just, and the the pause that the pandemic offered, of course it was a difficult time for so many people, but I think that pause for me, it, it forced me to sit with the, the same discomfort I had with my hypocrisy as a vegetarian, I sat with that same discomfort of uh, being hypocritical to myself. I was lying to myself. I was forcing myself to like something that I didn't. I felt so spoken to when, you know, other, uh, when um, I would hear other animal rights activists speak about their experiences and, uh, about fall, you know, no one gets, I don't think anyone necessarily gets into animal rights for the payday. So I, and the fact that I felt so, so sure my gut, I knew it in my gut. And I, I'm so happy to say that I finally know what it's like to wake up every day, excited to work, to wake up every day, knowing that I'm, that I, it doesn't feel like a task, you know. But that being said, I'm not going to say that, you know. I'm like, oh, I have to read this hundred-page-long thing and find a needle in a haystack. But it's, it's. I, I love it once I start doing it. It takes me a while to motivate myself to start doing it, but once I do it, I, I know that it's for a cause that I'm very dedicated to. I know I'm working with. A team of like-minded people people who understand people who've been in the movement for a long time Something like some fantastic people have been in this company have been with this organization for over 20 years and they've seen the evolution of the progress and if they're still here and they're still fighting they that gives me that shows me the, how hopeful they are how dedicated they are and that's so inspiring and i love it i just love being in that space and i also appreciate the opportunity to explore other aspects of of, um, of vegan activism and outreach like i was very drawn like i was i would always enjoy you know like i said Spewing out free advice to restaurants on how they can become more vegan and vegan friendly, and I sought out a, a training program that would train me to be a hospitality consultant. So I I took that uh, the course called Vegan Hospitality, uh, run by the fantastic uh, Meredith Marine. She is a social worker who also veganized Aruba and uh, is now you know training uh, future vegan consultants to. Just veganized the restaurant scene, so I took that training and recently got officially certified as a hospitality consultant. And I'm making so many wonderful connections with vegan businesses in that front. Um, I got I reached out to uh, the editor in chief of Veg World Magazine, Courtney Garza, who um, you know just trusted me and took me on board and took me on as a part-time writer and I got and gave me the opportunity to interview some brilliant folks in the space and uh, pursue pieces that I really am passionate about and write about them. So I just so appreciate being in all these different spaces of animal rights, veganism, plant-based, whatever you want to call it. I find myself Having every part of that engaged in, and it's it, I it feels great.
0: All of the things that you're doing sounds like such perfect matches for you to <laughs> you use your skills and your passion. And the most important thing is that you are doing some of the most important work in the world, helping to get animals out of research labs. And the other most important thing is that you're happy doing it. So, that is an example of what people should really go for. So if somebody does feel like the way you used to feel, how do they get out of that and come to the other side like you have?
1: No, I think taking a break. I know this is, it might be difficult for a lot to do, mm-hmm. but if there is an opportunity to just take a pause, that is, some, that is a pattern that I'd seen a lot of. Just take a pause, take a break to just, slow down, sit with your thoughts and see, you know, okay, if, if there is the financial aspect, maybe see if there's, you know, something part-time that you could do, or um, if you can create, um, uh, create an opportunity for uh, some sort of support. But I would say definitely take a pause to reevaluate what it is that you really wanna do. And um, because I just, one of the things that I heard on a podcast was very similar to what I was experiencing where the um, the guest said, you know, I was in, I was doing, I went to grad school and I felt like it was such a soul sucking space for me. And I just, I really teared up because I felt, I think I just really confronted everything. I felt like I am i am i am making myself more miserable i am hurting myself by being here and i i don't want to do that anymore and i'm and you know i just i just kept using you know other people became reasons it was like oh but then so and so would be disappointed and so and so would be disappointed but at the cost of me disappointing myself absolutely not and it's not being selfish i think prioritizing yourself and going after your true calling is not selfish because the world deserves our fullest potential and i think that's possible only when we're true to ourselves and um yeah so there we're no good to anyone if if we're not happy with what we're doing right it's uh it's it's a disservice that we're doing to not to Im- just imagine how great it would be if you if your true calling was music or dance or theater and how much you could maybe improve those industries how you could really re- reform revolutionize or revamp these these industries by bringing your brilliance to it rather than um, just working a a job that that, that doesn't speak to you. So I think just finding the courage, it's, it is hard. It it takes courage. And whenever I would hear these stories, I would say that they that person was courageous. I would call them brave. And when a friend of mine used those exact same words to describe what I had done, I think, I just, I felt like, you know, I felt, I felt very grateful for the people who had been invited on podcasts, who spoke their stories to make me feel less alone, who were brave enough to t- disrupt the status quo, not being, you know, not being drawn away by family or society's expectations, but stuck true to themselves. And they were brave for me and I want to be brave for someone maybe out there who is like me just not too long ago.
0: Yeah, it really can help a lot of people and it doesn't matter what industry they're in or what they like and what they're good at. Um, That could apply to anyone. So, you know, it's like you are proof that it can be done and you can really go with what's true to yourself. And yeah, I, I love that you said that you're like no point if you're not using your full, full potential and you're doing it a service to everyone so that's really important for people to keep in mind too
1: yeah i actually got that from uh clearly listened to a lot of podcasts um it's uh glennon doyle's um new podcast called we can do hard things and that she talks about you know the it was like self-care being women um you know, but that selflessness is considered, is what women uh, is supposed to be, you know, what a woman aspires to be is like selfless. And so that was something that she talked about. And I, I resonated with that quite a bit outside of, um, she, you know, she was bringing it up from also an angle of uh, being a mom and a family, but also she did touch upon um, your potential, your passion, your your intuition and all of that. So I I really carried that with me as well.
0: Yeah. And I just want to go to something that you were saying before um, about restaurants, hotels, it could be, you know, events and catering and all of that for celebrations that people have or gatherings or events or anything. There are a lot of restaurants and hotels and things like that that still don't have that many vegan options. And you're like, why? Because veganism is so abundant. We have way more choices than non-vegans to eat, but yet here restaurants are still not having that many options for us. It's great. Right. They just don't know, or we're not letting them know that we that it is in demand and we want to have more options, so we need to keep them accountable. So your work with vegan hospitality consulting is helping them to have vegan options and to even go completely vegan. So Tell me about that and um, your experience with that, and how how that has made a big difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, this is again back to the the long break where I was like looking at oh, what can I do during my one year off, and I was trying to see if there were any company like uh, uh, consulting companies that specifically do um, work with uh, restaurants and helping them veganize their offerings um and yeah when i was looking through that i came across the vegan hospitality course um, offered by meredith and she started this just out of necessity in a way when she was in aruba she would have to spend a lot of money to just get a basic spaghetti and tomato sauce and that's not what we want when we dine out right so yeah she started uh slowly but surely started working with restaurants and uh, made Aruba the most vegan-friendly island in the area and decided that this is a great, this is another form of activism to create uh, more vegan-friendly businesses in the world. And what better way to do that than train future vegan hospitality consultants? So yeah, she launched the program. And yeah, I applied, I interviewed with her and uh, fortunately got a spot. And yeah, we were trained on a lot of things that are overlooked by restaurants that might be struggling to attract. And we use the word attract and not accommodate because, you know, accommodation is, hey, here's a salad, no dressing. Attract is, here's a whole vegan menu and it's not all you know salad and fries so we so we learned about how to communicate with restaurants how to engage with them from skills going from menu evaluations recipe development staff and kitchen training um in no way do we is our job to is it our job to tell the chef or the cooks how to make food it's a it's it's, our expertise specifically comes with the the vegan items, where can you find them? What can you do with them? What are they good to um, replace the animal-based products for? Um, and yeah, so, and how, um, how they can advertise to their customer base and um, educate them on how this is only gonna boost their business. And uh, because, hey, if one thing, vegans know that there's a new spot that has even one vegan option, they're gonna go. So imagine what a whole menu could do. So yeah, just being able to speak the, the business lingo um, was a, a part of the skills that we learned. And yeah, I after I trained, I was able to get my first client with the local um, uh, cafe called the London Tea Merchant. So, excuse me, they do uh, weekend afternoon tea services and I help them develop a vegan tea service over the weekends that folks can enjoy. So they can make a reservation for a vegan afternoon tea and when they make their reservations, they just have to specify that they will be um, opting for an all vegan option. So it's St. Louis's first and only all uh, uh, a place to offer a vegan afternoon tea service. So that was, I felt very fortunate to have that opportunity. Um, I worked with another uh, incredible uh, vegan uh, woman. She has a, a an adorable uh, camper style cafe. Uh, so it's like a little camper van and it's an all vegan cafe. And I worked with her to kind of brainstorm a vegan concession stand concept. Um, I hope to work with the uh, larger groups like you know either the better foods foundation or um the on some of their campaigns that work towards offering a a a veg menu as a default when it comes to you know large events like catering events meetings conferences where um just basically flipping the norm where the animal products are usually the standard and if you want the vegan option that's a special request but just flipping the norm, and flipping that and making the veg option the default, and you have to opt in for the animal products. So they're a very scientifically-led, research-based organization, which I love. So yeah, I've just been able to partner with them, or potentially discuss a partnering with them in the future, which would be great. And um, recently, I uh, was approached by VegCo. They're a vegan wholesale um, business, so they supply delicious plant-based products to uh, businesses that are looking to, you know, expand their vegan options. And so I'm now an ambassador for them to help expand the reach of uh, plant-based items to restaurants locally. So I've been able to partner with them on that, which is exciting. So yeah, the opportunities have been wonderful and I feel very excited to, to put myself out there to network, to meet fantastic people in this space like yourself and other brilliant women who are really uh, looking to bring the change we need in this world. So yeah, I hope to, you know, expand my reach to working with other restaurants, hopefully hotels and spas, you know, people don't think about the down in the uh, the, the bedding and hotels and whatnot. So being able to work with hotels and other uh you know, wellness centers would be, would be fantastic for sure. So we'll see, hopefully once uh, businesses are doing a lot more, um, are a little more stable after the pandemic, which understandably so. It's a little difficult at the moment to have someone wanna sign up for a whole package. So I've been trying to tweak and do custom uh, packages or do contract work, but uh, hopefully I'll be able to do some full-fledged work soon.
0: Yeah, that's really exciting. And, you know, people forget that it doesn't have to just all be about food all the time. It can definitely expand. Like, there's so mm-hmm. many different spas and salons and hotels and Airbnbs or whatever you call them that yeah, yeah. have options that have nothing to do with food, but they just don't happen to be vegan. Like, they use animals in some way, and yeah. we don't need that, you know. So, you know, you're in there to educate people and show them. Not tell them how to do it, but just, you know, show them. I, I love to say that if somebody sees a problem and they're just frustrated or they don't see something for them they create it themselves yes so the way that you got certified she created that certification because she saw that there was a problem and she just did it created it herself and now she's you know helping many people like you and everybody else helping the world to see that there are more vegan options actually than there is non-vegan people just don't know it so i think I think a huge part about it, like you said, is communication. Like we need to communicate with these restaurants, these hotels, these event holders and all these salons and, you know, whatnot, all these other service providers. We need to communicate with them to let them know that, Hey, these options are in demand and they are doable and possible for you. And it could benefit you too. And, you know, to keep them accountable, to help assist them, not like show them, not tell them how to do it, but just, you know, be there. And there's no better person than an actual person living this lifestyle so that they can show the way. So that was so important and much needed in this world because it just blows my mind that there are literally still aren't that many options in places when there actually is an abundance of options. Realistically, they just don't have it because they don't know and they don't see. So we need to communicate with them and keep them accountable and help them with the process. But, but yeah, there's nothing about restriction when it comes to that. I mean, and most of this is in bigger cities. And if you're in a rural place like I am or somewhere where it's a very small town, um, that's an even bigger problem. So hopefully we can um, reach smaller areas, too, because this is wanted everywhere. This isn't exactly. where. So, you know, the bigger cities can show them as an example and be proof that, you know, it could be done and the smaller ones can get in, get in it as well. So I'm hopeful yeah. about all that. Definitely. So can you tell me about more about the magazine that you write for and how you can <laughs> about that? What is that magazine about? Who is it for? And what do you actually write
1: about? Yeah. So my magazine writing um, started with, so at first um, with, so with, I, I have written a few pieces for Veg News, which I know a lot of people know about. It's probably one of the most popular vegan magazines out there. So I uh, at first, I had reached out because I wanted to do a piece about um, about a company called Bond Pet Foods, and they do um, they're they do a fermentation-based uh, food for dogs. So basically, it's like it's a chicken protein without having to hurt the ch- without having to harm the chicken. And there's a lot of science involved, but uh, you can think of it as a brew like how a brewery for beers, this is a brewery for making chicken protein snacks for dogs. But so I wanted to interview them and uh, the people at Veg News were very receptive to the idea. And I pursued that and um, got to speak with the CEO. And when that piece got published, oh, it was so exciting. And I just loved what it felt like to see my name in an article. So I had the opportunity to pitch more, but I felt like I would there were some um uh well yeah so the there were I, I was hoping to maybe eventually work with them during my time off but I the feasibility at that time didn't pan out and so I was you know sort of figuring out how I could get into the writing space and when I was writing an article for Veg News uh featuring an amazing vegan um Tex-Mex spot in Dallas called Nuno's Vegan Tacos. Hey, just as a plug there. If anyone goes to Dallas, go to Nuno's Tacos. It is so freaking amazing. Absolutely fantastic food. Anyway, as uh, so I was interviewing the owner for a feature in Veg News, and uh, he told me like, "Oh, you do you know Courtney Garza?" And I was like. I don't believe so. And he said, Oh, she's the editor in chief of Veg World magazine. And I'd heard of Veg World magazine. And um, so he's like, Yeah, she does some amazing work. She does a lot of uh, photography for us as well. So um, just wanna just, just thought you might know her. And I was like, huh, maybe I could write like work part-time for her. And so I DM'd her on Instagram and she got back right away. We scheduled a call right away. And yeah, then I became, I, she took me on to write pieces, whatever spoke to me. I, of course, if I had an idea, I would run it by her, but she was very receptive to exploring very diverse topics, niche topics. I wanted to write about um, uh, vegans and eating disorder recovery. I wanted to write about, um, uh, campaigns that are run by animal, uh, farmed animal sanctuaries that work with other social justice nonprofits to encourage them to offer a default vegan menu at all their events. So being able to feature all these, um, uh, all these nuanced conversations was a delight. And I got to interview a lot of other people in the space from, you know, actresses and chefs and, uh, so many wonderful people who are doing outstanding things. So I, I, I write, I, I personally love doing interviews more, but I do very much enjoy having um, an array of uh, ideas to write about. I recently uh, interviewed the incredible Andrea Ritchie, the uh, uh, director at the, hong kong shark foundation she is a vegan she is a fierce advocate for shark conservation and i learned so many wonderful things i got to interview uh the founder of um, the company blue evolution they make seaweed pastas and they have this like seaweed paste and seaweed popcorn it's and i learned so much about seaweed that i never knew that I was missing out on in my life so yeah it's been a wonderful uh, learning experience and bringing awareness about these new companies or um, companies that have been around for a while but maybe not very many people know of and featuring smaller local businesses uh, um, and yes it's important that a lot these larger chain restaurants are slowly incorporating more and more vegan uh, items in their men uh, on their menus but you know, I of course I all my heart will always be uh, biased towards supporting the the OGs who've been around for a while, who've been challenging the status quo for uh, decades. So um, yeah, I've been uh, been writing about all of these fun topics, very diverse, and it's uh, yeah, the uh, target audience is just it's it's not to set to one specific demographic we want to cover uh cover issues all over the world just why veg world um so we cover things all over the globe if we can Um, we are a very small team um but i love it i think that also allows for a lot of uh, flexibility creativity and more um uh openness to some ideas that uh that I've had to offer, and yeah, it's it's been really fun. And VegWorld is it's free. Uh, it's a free magazine online. So since it's online, uh, and our our uh, advertisers and sponsors make it possible to offer it for free for everybody. So if you just go to VegWorld's website, you can see our latest articles. But then you can also find our free magazine that uh, is also our platform.
0: I love that. I mean, I honestly think that writing is one of the best ways to get messages out there and to educate people and share stuff with people mm-hmm. and to entertain people just like film. Film is the other one, I think. So it's great that you're using that platform just to share with people what you know and what, you, you know, what you've learned. And it's also another great way to learn and collaborate with people. So I'm glad that they are I'm glad that there's vegan magazines out there that exist and the fact that it's free. Makes it more accessible to people. Exactly. I hope hope everyone gets on there and checks it out.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, we do um, bi-monthly issues. So uh, we had a strength issue, uh, which I I got to feature um, actresses, uh, Gianna Simone and Andrea Logan, both uh, both plant-based human rights, animal rights activists. They do some wonderful work in Hollywood and just being able to hear their story was really inspiring. And then, yeah, the, the issue before that, I got to you know interview the founders of, uh, well, it was actually Venus Williams uh, protein shake company uh, called Happy Viking. And so I got to feature that. So it was such a great opportunity. And then our latest issue is the diversity issue, which has some wonderful content as well. So we try to keep the topics uh, varied, and so there's something there for everybody.
0: Yeah, that's really important. So I'm glad they're making sure that that is happening. Can you tell me about, tell me what Agriculture Fairness Alliance is in your volunteer work with them, and if anybody wants to get involved, how do they do that?
1: oh yes okay this <laughs> i would highly recommend you chat with laura reese she's one of the co-founders of agriculture fairness alliance but what um the so i again learned of them on a podcast uh with one of the other co-founders connie spence she uh, she's also known on social media as the vegan bad girl she uh you know she uh would as the name suggests she would project pro-vegan messages onto public buildings, um, similar to the bat symbol. So that was a a very interesting and a bit of form of activism. So when she learned that the supply and demand is not reflected in the data. So basically, even though like the the demand um, for plant-based products is increasing and sure so is the supply, but that also, but there's also that excess supply of animal products and um, it so there we don't see that decline in the production of these animal products so why is that and i learned about agricultural subsidies that are um, unfavorable there are uh, it's unfavorable to the direct consumer produce and more uh, it it's and, and it puts the the animal exploitative agriculture, large factory farming, um, uh, the fa- farms that are incorporated into these larger factory farms are put it are the ones receiving these large bailouts and subsidies. So I found that this was a, a very important space to get involved in um, to from a policy standpoint because i would always say eh, i'm not really that into politics but then once i heard this i was like oh how can you not this we all have we must be political because it, one way or another we are affected by this and if we want a vegan world and we want it fast i think a top-down approach is important and coming from that system that systemic um angle is crucial so the agriculture fairness alliance is basically um a lobbying group to bring the uh the messaging of climate friendly plant-based uh consumer crop agriculture uh, or you know crops to supply the growing plant-based uh businesses um it's to bring that representation to dc bring that presentation to the lobbying space and, uh, pre- and uh, present and draft legislation to uh, hopefully uh, create a, a, a vegan agricultural system, but without using the scary V word. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's what we do and if folks, there's all the, there are different ways to get involved. You can follow AFA on Instagram. Check out Agriculture Fairness Alliance's website. Um, one of the one of the main goals is to provide these um, financial government resources to assist um, small mid-sized farmers to transition from these harmful animal agricultural uh, systems to these to the lucrative plant-based, uh, climate-friendly system. So that is part, that is the core of the legislation that we're working towards. And I think that's really important that farmers have this system. It's, it's easy to just say that, oh, you should stop raising cows. Like, okay, now what do I do? Stop raising chickens. What do I do? Okay. Let's provide the financial resources. Let's provide the, um, the, the knowledge, the, the support that we can to help you transition your chicken facility into a mushroom facility, or or to help you reforest the land, and I don't know, I, something lucrative that you could do with that. Uh, so that is essentially the goal of AFA, and... Uh, um, if folks do want to get involved of course we uh, we love having volunteers there's so many projects to get involved in you could always uh, reach out um, on our on, on Instagram where you can support by donating as little as five dollars a month and all the money goes into AFA work hiring lobbyists so that we can get more more plant-powered representation Um for and get the policies that we need for the future of the planet and all Earthlings who live who live here.
0: Yeah, that is definitely one of the most important things. So 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 incredibly important. So I'm glad this and I'm glad they're doing that. Yeah. Because these farmers, they're they're worried and scared, and they have it in their head that this is the only way they could make a living, which isn't true. But- they still make money from you know stock. And- farming and animal yeah. agriculture and they can totally transition to all plants um, and it could benefit the world it could benefit them they can make much more money doing it that way instead because animal agriculture is not sustainable period it is literally not sustainable no matter how many times they breed cows and no many, how many yep. times they breed chickens and fish and all of that so they need to understand that it's not sustainable and it's destroying the planet and if we don't take care of this planet we're not going to have anywhere to live so exactly. It's in their best interest and everyone else's, honestly, to just transition to this. And then, you know, the fact that that Agriculture Fairness Alliance exists and not to make them feel bad and not to tell them how to do something, but work with them, Mm -hmm. show them that it's okay. And to make this transition and help them with that, that is what's really important. And that is what I'm so glad um, they're making progress with this. And it does have a lot to do with the politicians, too, because they're the ones that, you know, that can make the laws change and it all starts with them too so getting all of them involved and you know giving people a chance to volunteer and getting more people to help really really matters and it's making a huge difference
1: yeah absolutely
0: so when people say uh, when people think it's hard to be vegan and all this and i'm like really it's not it's actually the best decision i've ever made and it's, you know uh, obviously easy too it's been the easiest thing I've ever done so, yeah and it's like one of the one of the things I've never given up on in my yeah. life and I'm just like it's not hard at all I'm thinking what is hard about it for me nothing but then I'm yeah. I think about it even more and I'm like wait a minute there is something that's hard and it's the fact that we're so aware of what animals are going through and we can't help every single animal and we can't we could can do a lot and everything and sometimes we don't feel like we're doing enough but yeah. um, it's really it's really hard to know what they're going through and that so many people are so disconnected, they don't care, they just don't know. So our mental health is super important. So we need to make sure we take care of ourselves before anything and put ourselves first so that we can do more and help more and feel better about it and reach our full potential and use our skills to do all of that. So how do you take care of your mental health as an animal activist?
1: Oh, what a great question. Uh, Sometimes I'm like, I guess I don't, but (laughs) Um, no, that's such, it's so true. It's so difficult because we're just confronted with it all day, every day. You go to a grocery store and then you don't see food, right? You just, you see suffering, you see the horrors and you, like, it's just, it's everywhere and it's hard. And I think for me, having community having people to vent to. So having this community of of animal rights activists, vegans or people who get it is so helpful. And, you know, I often think of the people who have been in the animal rights movement for a very long time and I, I feel inspired. I feel recharged by them. And I, ta- I reach out to them a lot because I think Sometimes when I, you know, speaking to those within our own age group, it's, we could get fired up, but then we could get as easily drained. But those who've been vegan and who have been in the movement for a long time, I think they have some, this, this they've, it's, you know, they have this wisdom that they've seen it, they've seen the situation a lot worse and they've seen progress and they're still here and they're still fighting so i i always draw inspiration from that and uh, i remind myself that i'm no good to any being if i am completely burnt out and i've crashed so i make it a point to just like if i'm working i and now that the weather's nice i try to make sure that my surroundings are very pleasant so i don't want to sit in my room i sit on the patio it's like nice and sunny and you know i have my kombucha by this by my side and um like i'll take hallie out on a walk i'll listen to a podcast i'll listen to an audio book um you know these are i, I make i make sure to take time for that and it's like after the certain time i'm like i'm just gonna unwind i'm gonna watch a fun tv show and then i'll go to bed i'll read a little i'll go to bed i do read a lot of animal rights books i read a lot about or I've taken a lot of this content. Um, My work involves a lot of reading about this, uh, reading about a lot of unpleasant realities, but being amongst people who get it, people who know and people who are able to be objective and strategize and be like, okay, if they're not coming to the table with this, we're gonna do this instead of just like, you know, Bursting out into tears, as to you know why the world isn't a isn't a more um, kinder place to other beings. So uh, yeah, I just and my what I do to take care of myself also varies from day to day. Some days I think I might need to meditate. Some days I might just need to let myself be angry and be angry and just not just let myself feel the feelings and uh, process them and uh, journal about them. Or sometimes I'll like. Go to Trader Joe's and buy a bunch of vegan things. Like I don't know, it varies from day to day. So yeah, just, uh, just take yeah, taking care of one's mental health is is key. And anyone who is in the space of social justice, the community, I think you can having have have your crew, have a group who you can reach out to, and uh, and especially for me, I think reminding myself that there have been people who have been fighting this fight for a long time and they're still here and I can reach out to them for some support some guidance and or some some sort of inspiration or advice but that doesn't mean that I am wrong to feel upset or I'm wrong to feel dejected or I'm wrong to feel overwhelmed by the battle just because that you know other people have been here longer than I have my feelings are still valid but I feel safe and comfortable sharing this with them and asking them, hey, how do you cope with this? And just feeling validated is so important. So I think, um, yeah, that's what I would say is my current practice.
0: Yeah. I mean, basically everything you said is the way I feel and what I would say and the way I see it too. So it's just, you know, taking care of ourselves and putting ourselves first and not feeling bad about that. And Mm -hmm. We really take breaks if we need to, to feed not just our bodies, but our souls too, in the best way, do things we love, self-care, um, really, you know, communicating with others and that community. So it is all about support and it is about guidance too, but it's also about empowerment. Like we, we are in control of what we do. We can feel empowered and we can use our power in a good way. So all of that is really important.
1: Definitely and it all helps.
0: Yes. What are things that you want to do and focus on in the next year?
1: Ooh, I think I want to get more active in um, grassroots activism, you know, in-person street protests, participate in some of these, um, you know, marches and disruptions. So I've actually even, I, I, I not to say that one has to absolutely do that to be an animal rights activist. I don't believe that you can be your, an activist in whatever capacity. But yeah, I feel very called to it. Um I would I feel like I would I I want to go to a vigil. I want to bear witness. Um you know, provide some sense of com- last moments of comfort to uh, animals who are being dragged to slaughter against their will. Um, and just, I know it's gonna break my heart, but I, I, I'm feeling called to do it. I don't, I'm not, no one's forcing me to do this, but it's, I, I want to participate more in um, other forms of uh, activism, confront confront some of the, the messy aspects because so far a lot of my work, even at PETA has mostly been behind the scenes, you know, um, drafting, Language, re, like, having meetings with people, discussing with people, uh, higher ups um, at organizations, um, or it's been writing about fun topics, or it's been about, uh, you know, hey, let me help you make this great vegan Victoria sponge cake. But uh, I, yeah, I think um, I, I would love to participate more in uh, in person. Uh, the the hard the the hard things to
0: witness activism. Yeah, the good thing about activism is there's no wrong way or right way, and there's many different ways, and they're all effective, they're all needed, and they're all appreciated. So if you really feel like you need to explore and you want to expand and get out of your comfort zone, you could do that because there's there's an option for that. So that's really what's good about that. I'm going to ask you rapid fire questions because
1: they're fun. Uh, Okay. I Like whenever I'm I'm, I'm confronted with questions like what is your favorite? I'm like my favorite. I I don't have one favorite. It just changes all the time. So let's see how this goes.
0: There are a lot of your favorite stuff but you could just say what you like the most or it doesn't have to be one. It could be more.
1: Your favorite recipe, food
0: or restaurant. Okay.
1: Lately I've been really into fusions. So if it's, so I do like like, like a Korean Mexican fusion or like an, an Italian Indian fusion. This might be unacceptable to a lot of people, but th- this is my jam. I love combining different flavors and different um, uh, inspirations from different uh, cultures. But so I do, I try to, like, I do a lot of inventive pasta recipes or inventive garlic bread situations. Um, I I never really go by recipes. I just look at a few and then I'm like, all right, I could work with this. And I just, I I do a lot of crazy shria concoctions.
0: Well, that's interesting combining things and then you can really see how different things taste. So I think-
1: Like how they come together. Like I love, love, love doing that.
0: What is your favorite movie?
1: Ooh, The Intern, Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. Oh,
0: yeah. That's a fun one. I liked it.
1: I, uh, yeah, it's my favorite.
0: What's your favorite show?
1: Friends, Always, All Day, yeah. Every Day. My, it's, yeah, my, it's just my feel-good show. I just oh, love it so much. That reunion was the most perfect thing I'd seen in a while.
0: Yeah, I love that. That was so interesting and fun.
1: Yeah, very warming. Yeah.
0: That's always a good go-to. Absolutely. Your favorite music or music artist?
1: So I could definitely be an outcast here. I'm not very much into music. Like I'm later. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, great. great. <laughs> I was like, why you ask me that then? No. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not. If if I hear something, I'm like, oh, that's nice, and then I'll listen to it, and like, sometimes I don't know who the artist is to like years later. So yeah, I'm not, if, if it sounds good, I'll listen to it, but uh, yeah, I'll take it or leave it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Like I just, I think about these different topics for the rapid fire questions, because it can yeah. re- relate to a lot of people and it, yeah. or like music's popular and like, you know, yeah. up things. For me though, it's like more of the type of music. I, I like classical, the piano, and I also okay. like opera. And um, I like hearing people sing, that could really, really, really blow you away with what they're singing where they have a unique voice. So I know that's not really, and I like the old hip hop where they actually tell stories and you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Like- yeah. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, like I like, I guess in a, a general, like, like collectively, I probably was more, have been more drawn to pop music. If like, if I were to pick a genre, but again, I probably couldn't name an artist cause I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how I am too. I'm a movie person, so on the-, <laughs> <laughs> the the music's cool too sometimes.
1: Yeah.
0: Or just to play in the background.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like I mean what for me it depends. It's either like a, a podcast or an audiobook or it's like I want to learn something or I just want to listen to like a psychological thriller. Yeah, it varies.
0: What's your favorite place or city that you've been to?
1: Mm-hmm. Ooh, I would love to get back into travel. Oh, well, going back to something that I'd like to do this year travel more. Love yeah. to get back to traveling. But, uh, one of my favorite places I would say is Berlin. I went with one of my close friends back in 2019, not only because of how amazing the vegan food was, but I felt like, oh, well, of course, the vegan food took me to so many different neighborhoods and I got to meet so many cool, cool people. But, just the history and the having fun on riding the, the train and just commuting. It was just a very wholesome experience with the friend. So I think uh but yeah, when I travel and I think we you've mentioned this too, when I travel, I love for me it's less about the must see touristy spots and it's more yeah. about the, meeting people and making culture. these connections and experiences. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The culture, the experience, you know, meeting everyday people that live there, you don't have to get to a huge city, you go to like the, the hidden gems of it. And like,
1: exactly.
0: How are yeah. these people living? What's their dreams? What, what inspires them? What do they love? Like, yeah. You- like
1: I went to this little, like it was an all vegan Belgian waffle spot at, um, some, I think it, I can't remember somewhere in Brussels. And, uh, Uh, Not in somewhere in Belgium. Oh, no, it wasn't in Brussels, but it was somewhere in Belgium. Went to this hidden gem, and like this amazing guy was like, he's a documentary filmmaker and a photographer, and he was sharing his stories. And it was just while I was just, you know, devouring this amazing waffle, and it was so fun. It was so fun. And yeah, I just love having like meeting people and having these conversations.
0: Yeah, Berlin's in Germany, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, for some reason, and I don't know why, Germany is just not something I ever thought of. I've, you know, I've, I've thought about India, Italy. um,
1: Oh, yeah, neither. I didn't think I would, like, I was, I, I, before we went on the trip, I didn't think uh, I would come back feeling so connect, like, so connected to my experience in Berlin. But uh, I, and the reason why I said Berlin was because that I think that's the place where it's like, oh, that was a solid time. And I had a wonderful, wonderful. Of course, the rest of the trip was amazing, beautiful yeah. experience overall. But, uh, yeah, I just uh, I think that was the highlight.
0: Switzerland one of the places I want to go to the most. And in Spain, because my mom's from Spain, I never actually went there yet. And it's just like so many different places. But I can't think of that many I can't think of that many states that I want to go to in this country. Just really mostly on the west coast for this yeah. country. Let's 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 plan a trip to Spain. Let's do it. Yeah. Spain, for real because my mom and dad are probably going to retire there. So yeah, I mean,
1: hey, I am so down. Hit me up, and we could do it. Spain, Portugal, and like maybe do yeah. a dip to Morocco in a few years.
0: They're going to probably retire. Um, they got married in Gibraltar, and oh. she came to this country when she was in her twenties, and now she's in her sixties. But yeah. Yeah, he had to come. He had to come back to the country by himself. He had to come back to, to the U.S. by himself. He's from Pittsburgh, so I was born there, but I moved to Georgia as a kid. Yeah. But anyways, so I'm in Georgia now. But anyways, he he had to go without her, and everybody that she was around were like, he's not going to come back. He's not going to come back. And he came back and got her, and then she came. Oh. To the I just want her to write it and, like, tell her story. but Yeah, uh, wow. Because yeah. I want to read it. I love when she tells <laughs> stories about when she was younger, growing up. And like when, when her and my dad met before they had any of us, cause I have two sisters and mm-hmm. so, yeah, like that kind of stuff is the stuff that I just want to know more about and explore and like talk to people about all over the world. So hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. For this country though, I'd only want to go really to the West and to New York. City. <laughs> New York city yeah. has it all. They have the ballets, the operas, the art galleries, Broadway, the stuff that nobody else likes that I love. So well, not <laughs> yeah. as many people love it as I do. So New York city yeah. is on there.
1: Oh, I do love New York City. It's oh,
0: fantastic. There's just an endless amount of different places. But I, I would wait a few years because it's the COVID situation. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated, but still, like, I don't... Oh, like yeah, that.
1: I know. I get it. Like, it's... Let's just wait it out a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. I still feel like I it's not the best time right now. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's getting better. Yeah. What is your um, favorite thing to do?
1: Um... I don't, again, it varies, but I would say at the moment it's just to read a fun um, book sitting on the patio with a glass of wine. Yeah. Which is my current favorite thing.
0: Novels. It's all about novels for me. When I when it comes to reading, I like to read fun novels by women, and I also like to read biographies and autobiographies of people. Oh, yeah. About. Yeah. Thank you. I don't drink alcohol, but I do love kombucha. So there's. Oh, yes. I yeah. do yeah. love that's always an option. Just GTs. That's the only Oh,
1: my one. God. Yes. I love their kombucha. Yeah. Okay. And not novel in kombucha it is.
0: <laughs> I won't drink any other kombucha but theirs. I like to stock up, and I don't drink them every day. But sometimes I'll take three days to drink one. But I like all oh, Yeah, ones. I usually
1: take three days to drink one. But it is so good.
0: So good. I've had literally every flavor of theirs, and I haven't had one I haven't liked. So really?
1: the- I had the green one, and I didn't really like it. But I could have just had a bad batch. I don't know. Well, it's just
0: with the green one, their taste is a little different because they they put uh, Chlorella or Spirulina in there. So it's got some kind of taste or maybe some kind of, yeah, I think that's what's in it. I don't
1: know. I don't think I'd try that again, but <laughs> the rest I do, I do really like.
0: I keep telling people to drink it, but it freaks them out and it just doesn't smell good. So they're like, no,
1: oh, yeah, that's what it was. I just, I, I don't really like the smell and i'm just like well a lot of the
0: but i but i could think of a lot of flavors people would like because there's a lot of fruity ones so i think yeah i
1: love the mango i love the strawberry guava watermelon pomegranate yeah strawberry lemonade
0: oh yeah the pomegranate one's good roseberry
1: oh yeah oh my gosh man now i want to go and get some kombucha
0: Roseberry, Pomegranate Power, Passionberry Bliss, which is really hard to find for some reason.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah, whenever I see – like, if I see that, I try to stock up a bit.
0: Their seasonal ones are all great. Unity mm-hmm. the one that's
1: right now. They have Bloom
0: for the spring. They have um, – <laughs> Living in Gratitude, which is, like, really cool, t- turmeric and, like, spices. with. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you should be their spokesperson. I don't have the yeah, name. Well, there's, <laughs> I know.
0: There's this one that is, this, and she's really hilarious. Yeah, I mean, he's amazing, though. He really is. I think he's vegetarian or something. I think so. And he, like, really is true to kombucha. He's not going to mess kombucha up. Yeah. He stands by what he believes, and that's a billion-dollar company now. They're in glass bottles, which I, I appreciate, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Their new flavors, um, cit- what is it, California Citrus and Lemonberry are so good. So good. know.
1: Oh, I need to find that here somewhere.
0: Yeah, they're, I mean, you're in a bigger city than me, so you definitely, I have to go far away to find, well, not really, but they're are- all the stores, really. That's what I love about them. They make it accessible for people. They're in Walmart. They're in gas stations. Like, I'm glad. So. Yeah. It's a good thing. What's your astrology sign?
1: Oh, I'm a Capricorn. I was like, what's my sign? I'm a Capricorn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't
0: know that much about astrology, but I really think it's Neither do
1: I. I'm just like, eh, I, I don't I don't really do much with it, but I guess I'm, you know, pretty stubborn at times, so I'll take it. I think it's interesting to learn about. I'm a Pisces. But yeah, I
0: don't know my my I don't know my rising or whatever because I don't know Oh yeah, time. I don't
1: know any of the other stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know the time I was born, and I'm never going to know the time I was born because my mom doesn't know. I know what time my kid was born my nieces, but I don't know the time I was born. So I don't, I'm not going to know my rising or moon or whatever they call it. Yeah.
1: I have no idea.
0: (laughs) That's just, it's fun to look, to learn about a little bit. For sure. What are you currently working on?
1: Um, well, some, some fun projects at PETA, uh, working on doing, um, maybe, you know, arranging some interviews with some great chefs in the vegan space and yeah i'm getting ready to uh join a week of animal rights activism with the animal advocacy or animal activism mentorship group um it's it's an amazing organization they pair mentors um with um new uh with mentees who are seeking mentorship on getting into animal rights so i would. Point them to the Animal um, Activism Mentorship Group. They have a week of activism the end uh, from I think July twenty fifth to August first in Chicago. It's the their convergence, and so yeah, I I'm gonna be there uh, doing some animal rights activism. So I'm looking forward to that and meeting some people there. So yeah, I guess I that's sort of what I'm working on, and I'm deciding which I'm also working on deciding which city to move to next year. Uh, since uh, my I'm grateful enough to have wonderful jobs that I can work from wherever. So yeah, I'm on I'm looking forward to the next adventure. So we'll see where I end up.
0: Yeah, that's really fun. Um, I'm so glad that, that exists because there are so many people whether they're new to this lifestyle or not. And they just don't know how to get involved with activism, but they want to, or they're intimidated by it, or they're like, know what to do. So that could really point people in the right direction and really get people going to take action in whatever way they want to. Right. That's really important. What's the most interesting thing that you've learned recently?
1: Most interesting thing. I would say, I, I learned a lot of interesting animal facts, but I think I would say one of the most valuable things, if I may tweak it a little bit, which I guess was interesting for me in hindsight, was that putting myself first is not selfish. Prioritizing my mental health is not selfish and protecting my peace from whoever or whatever might be disrupting that is not selfish and I owe myself, um, and like I, I owe myself that kindness. And so I think coming to that realization has been the most important thing I have learned. And it was interesting how, deconstructing that, it, The it, what was interesting about that was how, how, um, counterculture I thought that was when I was first confronted with that um, during therapy which I'm a huge advocate for Um, so I hope that wasn't an unacceptable answer
0: no I mean yeah that makes sense because it is interesting because that way we learn more about ourselves and we are interesting we're we are there's so many there's so many parts to us and different you know things so I mean that's important too so yeah that's good I love that and I think that's true you have three wishes. What would they be?
1: I'm gonna be basic and say I want a vegan world, and a vegan yeah. world is not just animal rights. It's social justice, it's mm-hmm. live let live. And I'm very curious to see what that would look like, where we all just live in harmony and mutually respectful societies with domesticated animals, animal free, uh, free animals out in the wilderness, and just what that would look like. It's, uh, yeah, I think it would make for a very peaceful clubhouse rooms as well. Um, A second wish would be the unlimited ability to travel the world, all the funds to just travel the world, world vegan travel with my companion pooch, Hallie. I want to just be able to do that.
0: I've actually been really struggling with the third one. I could only think of two. and Mine were definitely not that deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I was thinking of wishes that are literally impossible because even though something seems really hard, I think it's possible. Like I actually think of being in the world could happen and could be possible, yeah. but like, I know it'd be super hard and it might take a lot of time. So that's the thing. Like I think of my, if I had three wishes, it would be something that's impossible because you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know,
1: but yeah, well, I will. Maybe for my third one, I will go to a childhood fantasy of mine was to, either like I just um you know I like have this magic pendant which I, I could use to either become a mermaid and go underwater or just fly yeah you go with that
0: that's like that that's impossible yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> that would be yeah. so fun yeah for real <laughs> um is there anything else that you want to share
1: or add Ooh, I think you've covered it it's been a very extensive conversation and i'm so happy that you've asked these great questions and i feel so honored to have been afforded this platform to discuss my story and uh, hopefully uh, encourage others to to just to to follow their their passions listen to their guts uh, listen to their gut listen to their instinct and don't let other people's fears and insecurities project onto you following your dreams.
0: Yeah, that is something that everybody needs to hear. Yeah,
1: Yeah. whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, yes, they mean well, they only want what's best for you, but you know you best. Uh, And uh, you learn from your own mistakes. And when you start viewing things as a learning experience, and you see it as okay, if all of this implodes, I would have learned something from it. So at least it's still, you're still gaining from that experience and you can't, you know, that's a very positive outlook to have. So don't let anyone or anything, um, uh, yeah, cloud your judgment from following your dreams and pursuing doing good in this world. I wouldn't encourage that if someone wanted to, you know, wreak havoc (laughs) but to all of those who are you know wanting to bring your brilliance do it just do it
0: yeah I mean that's so it doesn't matter what people do that relates that could you know apply to anything and you know you're talking about a vegan world and I'm like that is I think it could be possible even though who knows when exactly but it's gonna have to be because you know it's just the most sustainable way but at the Mm -hmm. same time people always think Vegans care more about animals than they do people. They don't care about people. But yes, 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 we do. We care about people just as much as we care about animals. And you you can have both. Like, yeah. You can advocate for the animals and advocate for people. And- exactly. Exactly. Like, that that's the thing that I just want people to know, for sure. Because a lot of people, there's just a lot of misconceptions. We're going to do a whole room about that one day. And I'm probably going to do a podcast episode about that. Because, yeah, I mean, really? it's, people need to know. So, like I was saying in TV a lot of times, in movies, sometimes they portray the vegan as inaccurate and it's a typical Mm -hmm. stereotype, and it can be funny and lighthearted sometimes, but at the same time- But it's like, yeah, it's
1: so frustrating. Sometimes, you know, you can just, just how powerful is it to be like, oh my gosh, like Miyoko's cheese is back in stock and like you have a character doing that and that not be a weird thing and you're just Mm -hmm. eating pizza or you're going to Veggie Grill and you know, that's like the hangout Mm -hmm. spot. that it just make it the norm that's yeah I would love yeah. to see more of that in media and I yeah that would be really cool like ads that are just only featuring vegan products seeing all seeing more of that in commercials and yeah
0: and we're not we're not saying that veganism has to be the main central focus and bring all the attention to that and make a big deal about it we're not saying that we're not saying the whole yeah. thing has to be about it but like we need to bring it into there we need to bring you know aspects of this lifestyle Make it normal it's not a weird thing yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's definitely what it needs to be so that's gonna happen because I'm gonna make it happen I just don't know how or when but it's gonna happen because it needs to
1: yeah we're here and that's what we're working towards we're gonna make it happen
0: yeah and we're always learning and there's always room for improvement no matter who the person is
1: yeah
0: so how can people find you and keep up with what you're doing and work with you and read about what you do and all that. Yeah.
1: Um you you can always follow Veg World magazine if you're interested in the writing that we do. Um can find me on on uh, Instagram for my vegan hospitality business. It's called Nourish by Shreya and why I chose the name Nourish is uh you know, I veganism is not it's more than just your body. Uh, the, the food you eat, it's your nourishing. For me it was it nourished more than just my mental Held my emotional health, so it's a very encompassing, all-encompassing, um, abundant lifestyle that it's led me to. So, yeah, you can follow what I do um, there with the restaurant businesses. I also have a personal Instagram account. It's at floofs over dupes. <laughs> um, I yeah, so that's my personal Instagram, and uh, yeah. Uh, Agriculture Fairness Alliance, definitely follow that amazing group as well. Um, Support PETA's campaigns that are working towards getting animals out of, um, and not only PETA's campaigns, all animal rights groups are doing such amazing work. Um, So please support their campaigns in uh, uh, helping Getting all our sentient uh, fellow earthlings out of exploitation and into the freedom and uh, bodily autonomy that they deserve. So, yeah.
0: Thanks so much for um, taking the time to do this. Thank you um, for having me. I'm so glad you're able to do that. And I love everything that you're doing. So, I wanted people to know about it. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's so important and fun and exciting too. So I just want people to know that living this lifestyle can be easy, simple, doable, and, you know, there's abundance in it. And it's yeah. literally the most abundant lifestyle I know of, yes. the most doable and sustainable one, the easiest one. And, you know, we're always here to help people with that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, thanks for everything that you're doing. And thanks thank for- you
1: for all that you're doing. You know, you're bringing so much awareness and bringing a lot of brilliant ideas. Uh, and yeah. So I just love that us uh, women can keep supporting one another
0: yeah that's what it's all about and building this community and creating it and like having all these things that we're doing so yeah just sharing about that and um I always love talking to you so likewise yeah we'll talk again on on those uh specific topics in club clubhouse yes and, you know, if people are on clubhouse they need to go into the rooms that you're in so <laughs> how do people find you on clubhouse
1: um Oh, I need to see what my well I am on a clubhouse I, I just forgot what my handle is on clubhouse but let's see oh it's just at Shria underscore s I'm on clubhouse my full name is Shreya Swaminathan so yeah you can find me there uh, if you want to follow me on there and uh, sometimes I peruse into non-vegan rooms and try to Bring some uh, a vegan perspective. Of course, I have some support from the incredible vegan community. Or I, uh, and I'm also in the the spaces where you know we talk about animal rights activism, or vegan food, or hospitality, climate change, sustainability. So yeah, I love uh, participating in all these conversations, and it's a great place to network. It's how we met, and how we're meeting so many wonderful people. So yeah, the House is also a great space to. Uh, connect
0: yeah I'm either in film rooms or vegan rooms that I'm not on there all the time I hardly get on there now I'm in an acting class on there every day and right now I'm just listening but so let cool. go to the vegan rooms I do have the vegan rooms every Friday about specific focus topics so I've learned so much from you about the room in the rooms when you're talking about animal activism and animal experimentation experimentation and animal testing and all of that so yeah I just wanted people to let people know that you are in rooms sometimes talking about <laughs> People can learn a lot, so that's really important and a good way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, hey, well, thanks for being here. Um, mm-hmm. So, this will be up probably tomorrow because it takes time to process it. No problem. Yeah, yeah so I'm really glad that you're able to do this. And for everybody listening, go to veganbeautypower.com for more. Thanks. Woo-hoo. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening and being here. If you've loved this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Share this podcast with anyone and everyone you know who will love it too. For more, go to veganbeautypower.com, Read the blog and subscribe to the Vegan Beauty Power Goddess Love Letters. It's all for you, goddess.